Hey, this is Tony Jackson, and this room sounds great. Gives me something to do with my hands, because I'm not sure it gets awkward. Country music, they call it three chords in the truth. We then went to that, and then we went over somewhere in Williamsburg and had pizza and beer, and apparently that combination makes you super fertile or something. Well, hello, everyone in podcast world mania. Thank you so much for tuning in, whether you are retying your shoelaces, scooping your kitty litter box, whatever it is you do when you're puttering around listening to podcasts. We're grateful you've chosen us. I'm Reese Williams, and I am speaking with Mr. Tony Jackson. Hello. Hello. If you would mind telling us what you play, do in your band and what your genre is to get everybody familiar with who you are. I am a country music artist. And I hold an acoustic guitar. <laughs> I uh, depend on my band members to back me up, but it gives me something to do with my hands because I'm not sure it gets awkward. I, I don't feel nerves. I just don't know what to do with my hands. And so, you know, I just kind of wave them around or just kind of keep them to my side. But with a guitar, and, and I, I'll play, you know, country music, they call it three chords in the truth. And uh, that's the total amount of number of chords that I know how to play. Mm -hmm. And so I said, okay, country music it is. There it is. And if you play it backwards, you get your wife, Ah. your dog, and your truck back. I just heard that (laughs) one yesterday, actually. No way. (laughs) Okay. Um, (laughs) (laughs) I'll tell you my relationship with country is I grew up in a little rural town about an hour south of here, southeast of here. So everyone listened to country, but I was a top 40 um, alternative kind of gal, goth, you know. And then when I was 19, I worked in a warehouse and the warehouse manager said, um, he played country and it wasn't to my liking. And he said, well, it's either country or silence. You have to deal with it. And I thought, oof, I can't sit here all day with, you know, nothing on. And it was the neatest time for country. You know, I think it was just entering the mainstream. It was uh, 1992. All right. And so that was when we had the Faith Hill and the Shania Twain and the Garth Brooks and, and the Sammy McGraw. Kershaw, That's Tim right. McGraw. And so it was so palatable for people who didn't like the quote unquote twang. Yeah. And, you know, obviously the lyrics were relatable and I think the artists started to get a little more showy. It definitely got a lot sexier for country. So when did you dig into it? What drew you to it and what's your take on it? Well, country music's always been close by for me. As a kid, the music I had access to was my dad's record collection. And he's a big stereo guy, uh, still is, but at the time... The bigger component stereo you had, the cooler you were. Mm-hmm. He was the coolest guy in the world. We had converted a linen closet to a component stereo <gasps> closet, and then on the bottom there was these crates of records, and so I would lay in the bottom of that linen closet and pick records uh, based on how cool the cover was. Didn't Absolutely. know what was in it. Uh, so it was his. He, he listened to R&B and Motown and, and New Jack Swing, stuff like that. Uh, where I heard country music is through Armed Forces Radio. So I grew up a Navy brat. And when I was a kid, I lived overseas for three years. We lived in Rota, Spain. And there's one little Navy guy in his, in his little room spinning tunes for whoever calls and requests a song. Oh, that's great. So there's no genre for mm-hmm, Armed Forces mm-hmm. Radio. It's whatever people call and ask for. And, and since they're from all over, it's everything. That's right. That's great. And, and hindsight, it's mostly country music. I think because of its recurring themes of home and, you know, longing and all those things that you think about when you're overseas, that's what it mostly was. So it's always been close by. And then uh, later after I graduated high school, I joined the Marine Corps. And uh, I've got all these new best friends, like brothers, 
who I didn't know four months before, you know. So there's that getting to know each other, you know, including each other's music. So it was country all over again, you know, and <laughs> coming out of the barracks. There's country and hip-hop. What time and, frame? Are we talking 80s, 90s? This would have been the 2000s, early okay, 2000s. Okay, okay. Uh, so it's always been there. Mm-hmm. Uh, I never had designs on performing country music. I just had an appreciation for it. That didn't come about until uh, later in life. I was in a rock band originally, based out of Richmond. What'd you play then? I played the microphone. <laughs> Real uh, well. Yeah. After George Jones passed away, this has been 2012, there was a song of his that I'd always liked. And George Jones used to be a Marine, called The Grand Tour. Mm-hmm. And we were at the studio uh, down on 2nd Street and Broad with John Morand and had some time. And my friends and I said, you know, I want to do this song as a tribute to the man and the song. And we did. Uh, someone videoed it. We put it on YouTube and got a lot of attention. It has over 2 million views if you, yeah. if you want to boil it down to yeah. attention. It's yeah. like 46 million on Facebook. Wow. And it, oh. But it just, it went nuts. And suddenly, you're right everywhere I go, hey, you're that guy that's singing the George Jones. Uh, and so... While I was itching to perform, I decided to go for it. You know, there's an audience for it. It's something I love to do. At this point in my life, you know, I can sing about real things. Things are important to me and, you know, not fake it, you know. And so countries expand and, and, and the fans have been amazing. Things have kind of taken off. I have to sing Grand Tour all the time, which is kind of a downer, but, you know, it's still a great song, but, oh, man. It's like, sing the Grand Tour. It's like, oh. <laughs> the lighter is like back crying. and forth. Yeah, right, yeah. Right, right. But, uh, yeah, so that's how I got into country music. That's how I, I, you know, I developed appreciation for it. And you've been on the Grand Ole Opry a few times. Yes. More than, more than a handful of times. Yes. That's exciting. It's very exciting. Is it really that breathtaking when you walk out? I bet it is. It is. And I'll tell you something. I didn't tell the folks at the Opry this, but I'd been by the Grand Ole Opry several times going back and forth to Nashville and, you know, kind of daydreaming like, man, wouldn't it be nice? Uh, my first time in the building was on the stage. And so that was kind of surreal. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know what held me back from actually going to a show. I think it was uh, to be sitting in the audience and wanting the whole time to be <laughs> up mm-hmm. on stage. I think that's what held me back. But but it was wonderful. I got to stand in the circle. I got a standing ovation my first time out. So, uh, yeah, country music's been good to me. Oh, happy day. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> now, I know that you are, you're a military brat, so you're from around, but you consider Virginia or Richmond like a second home for you and, and a first home for a while. Yeah. What are your favorite things about the Richmond music scene? It's very eclectic. And I've been in it for, for quite a while. So these are my friends. I have an appreciation for people who decide to play music, who are able to get other musicians together and on the same page to get themselves from the garage or from the basement all the way to the stage. It's really difficult. And then to get other people to come and spend their Friday or Saturday night with you, it takes a lot. And so I enjoy live music. I enjoy seeing how other people do it. I enjoy just being able to have a beer and not have to sing, you know, mm-hmm. and, and be a part of the of the room. Um, so whoever's playing, if it's if it's nearby, I'll go check them out. I think it's interesting. I've only lived here for four years, but I've been entrenched, you know, around musicians. I love that I haven't really experienced yet a huge ego, 
I haven't met anybody who just thought they were better or they should be bigger. You know, everyone knows that there's enough to go around. They love collaborating. Everyone has aspirations right. and everyone has confidence and pride, but I haven't met anybody yet, thankfully, who just thought that they were better than other people in the room or really interesting. And then I haven't met, I'm sure they're out there and maybe this is why I haven't met them. I haven't met a lot of kind of layabouts, just as you said, you know, sometimes it's difficult right. to get people to commit and to come together and do it. But when I meet people and they're musicians, even if it can't be their full time, they're making time for it. Right. With goals. Yeah. Or assisting other people with theirs. It's amazing. I met a whole bunch of both of those types, by the way. You're lucky. <laughs> <laughs> right here in Lula Richmond? Oh, yeah. <laughs> well, then I have been very lucky. I love them too, but they're around. <laughs> How long have you been performing then? So Half Brother Sid was my first band go out and perform. Half Brother Sid. Half Brother Sid. And that okay. was about 2004. Was this the rock band you were yes. talking about? Okay. Yes. That's about 2004. My first time performing for others that I can recall, not in church where I'm in the back and buried because I'm forced to be up there. It was fifth grade. I was living in Spain. I was in music class and we were getting ready for the big Christmas play where mm-hmm. we, we all go to the gym and everybody's parents are there and I'm goofing off right class clown thing so as a punishment the music teacher says that's it Tony you're gonna sing a solo in the Christmas performance I'm like okay okay I'm sorry I'll stop I'll stop she's like nope nope you're doing it so terrified and then when it came down to it I sang a verse of white Christmas a high-pitched voice you know and nobody else was singing and it's all eyeballs oh, right and I'm that is punishment oh yeah but after I did it, my peers were all like, oh, that was awesome. And the other parents after the show were coming up and giving me all this, you know. Not a lot of adults pay kids, especially not their own, you know, any, any mind, right. right? So to be complimented by all these strangers that were adults, I remember that feeling. Like, this is, this is, this is cool. Uh, I, don't, I don't mind this so much. So that was fifth grade, right? I didn't actually join a band and, and perform anything until, you know, years and years later, but I never forgot that, how that felt. Do you play anything else, like the piano or anything in Tinkered? Or? No, it's incredibly difficult for me. And I look at these musicians like they're sorcerers, you know, I just don't get it. I play my chords, right? Music theory and all that stuff. And it's not that I'm too lazy to learn. I just don't, it doesn't work for me. So <laughs> mm-hmm. I'm thankful for those guys. I'm very nice to them on the road. It's amazing. But no, that's all. I just play the microphone. (laughs) No, you write your own music. Some of it. Oh, okay. Okay. Some of it. Are you a disciplined writer where you uh, set time aside or you scribble on little sheets of paper kind of guy? I will write a line on a piece of paper and stare at it for an hour. And then I'll write it again on another piece of paper and a few more words after that. And I'll throw it back in the trash. I'm better with collaborating with okay. others. I'm better okay. with taking something like a skeleton or a completed song and making it my own. So I've co-written a lot of songs. There's a handful of songs I've written by myself. That seems, it's daunting. It is, it is. And you know, you mentioned about some of the guys that were uh, like egomaniacs, you know, there's a place for them in songwriting and music because there are people, and I'm one of them, who if I pour my heart into a song, then I just like, I'm not gonna share this, right? Because I get one piece of feedback that it sucks. I'm never doing this again. Right? Yeah. It's vulnerable. Uh, so, it's a vulnerable yeah. thing. And it's a skill in and of itself outside of performing or singing. There are very few people that have all of these things. So, you know, Nashville especially and all over the place, even Richmond has some great songwriters. Uh, most of the stuff on my last record uh, was written by other people. Mm-hmm. I co-wrote 
four or five of them and, and wrote one. So I identify as an interpreter of songs more than I'm a songwriter. Mm-hmm. The performance of it. So here's a little snippet so that we can get an idea of what Mr. Tony Jackson sounds like. Mama used to love to reminisce She'd sat out on the porch on nights like this She'd tell me about her favorite things in life Like honeysuckle, rain and fireflies Out on that old porch swing I learned I'm achieving what I want to as an artist. I have it in my head that there are people who would be fans of my music, and the challenge for me is to get my music to them. So where that ends, I have no idea. Mm-hmm. But I'm enjoying myself. Being a, a military kid, I tell people my story growing up. I went to four high schools in four years. I went to 13 schools before ninth grade, Okay, but so, then I got to go to the same high school all four years, so I was so lucky. I was jumping all yes, around. Yes, yes. And so you, you understand mm-hmm. this. You tell that to people, like, oh, right? Well, it's, all, <laughs> it's what I knew. Uh, I missed out on certain things that I would see, like, you know, lifelong friendships you know, at the school age where people have been together since kindergarten. At graduation, I was like, okay, thanks, I'm out. <laughs> right. <laughs> this is great. Another day, uh, another school. But in this profession, I can move in any crowd. So I'm, I'm never a stranger anywhere, and I feel comfortable. And people always ask me about that, like, you know, how is it that you're able to do this, interact? I'll stay till the last person in line comes through, and I'm perfectly fine with it. I like that. I, you know, you come out to see me. We did a show in, in Bow, Washington. This is close to the Canadian border, as far away from here as you can get. And it was two sold-out shows on a Friday and Saturday. And I'm there like, oh, how did this happen? You know, who are you? You know, I want to know more about it and, and about this place. I really enjoy it. And I think uh, that life as a military kid uh, prepared me for this. What has been a most memorable performance for you? I did a show in uh, Ooh, that was quick. That town was great. called Georgiana, Alabama. And uh, it was a Hank Williams festival they call it music festival it's a three-day event and it happens right next to hank williams boyhood home we were on the tour bus we rolling down you know alabama down near montgomery or you know this is a small town alabama Mm -hmm. and we get to the exit to come on and my tour manager is talking to the contact at the venue he said when you get here there'll be a few officers you know waiting at the exit they'll lead you in like okay we get to the exit there's like eight police cars in front of the bus and they're stopping all the traffic and this is the first time I've had that many police cars in front of me this is odd so they lead us in and, and uh, we get into the venue and they take us to the museum and they treated they treated me and my bandmates like like we were family you know not like it wasn't a celebrity treatment it was just like welcome to our town we're gonna really take care of you and they fed us and the show was good but after the show 
I'm hearing music uh, somewhere near the bus, and we were staying there overnight on the bus. And so I decided to go find it. It was a porch party. Whoever played whatever instrument brought it to this guy's house, and they're all sitting on the porch, and other people in town were out in the yard just having a good time. They're golf carts and side-by-sides, and they were terrible. <laughs> but it was <laughs> but it was so great because they didn't care. It was so moving. Right, they just heard these touring acts on the stage, and after that was over, they're like, all right, it's our turn. And, and they were so bad. It was really good. And, and I came over, and somebody handed me a beer. Did they know you had been the performer that they heard? Uh, some they of them did. Okay. Some of them did, right? And, and later on, of course, they were like, get up here and saying it was picture time. But but when I first rolled up, it was just like, oh, hey, somebody else. Cool. Uh, and they're running through, you know, standards, country, top 40, you know, classic rock. And uh, I just thought that, that that was amazing. And I appreciated that as far as memorable shows go, that was that was definitely one of them. I had a really good time. And I look forward, every time I get to go back to Georgiana, I look for them. They're like my friends and family. Cup your hand to your ear. Do I hear yeah. the call? Where's the party night, fellas? <laughs> Where's the party yeah. at? What has the landscape of your career been like since COVID? Were you on tour? Were you just about to release an album? Everybody that I've talked to was on the precipice of something great. And then they were either yanked off the road or, yeah. We were about to release a single. And we had a pretty good run with radio with the last few. And bookings were ramping up. And we were going into summertime. Oh, yeah. So we already had the shows booked. They just started canceling. And uh, the added challenge was not all of them canceled way ahead of time. Some of them canceled a week or two weeks before, which nobody knew was going to happen. Sure, 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 sure. Some canceled while we were already en route. Some places we still played, like places that didn't care. Like what, COVID? It really slowed us down. But it's really been a blessing. I was just going to say, what, what have, how have you made best use of your time? I have a nine-month-old. <gasps> Last uh, October, uh, my girlfriend, which well, is my fiance now, but my girlfriend at the time and I went to uh, Bush Gardens. Uh, it was a Halloween thing at Halloween Bush Gardens. Scream. Yes. Yes. So we then went to that, and then we went over somewhere in Williamsburg and had pizza and beer, and apparently that combination makes you super fertile or something. So nine months later, we got Maddie. Uh, so I've been keeping busy, and so so the the the, the lesson is she was scared pregnant. <laughs> I don't know what happened. Roller coaster shook something loose, but uh, it's great. Maddie's awesome. Uh, I've been home with her a lot, and COVID kind of took off after that. So it's been a blessing in that regard. I've enjoyed the time with her. And one thing about coming off the road is you feel like you're being left behind because everyone else is out there working and you're not. That's a terrible feeling. So, not this case. Nope, not in this nope, case. Nope. Everybody gets a timeout. There was no FOMO. That's right. No. So I enjoyed it in that regard. It's been a little stressful with the, you know, not knowing what's going to happen, the reduction in shows and, and income and all that stuff. Um, well, but, what, does, you know, what does this year look like then as we're ramping back up? I'll be in Texas next month. We're doing this virtual show here in your ear. Um, things like that are coming up. I can't tell you what national television show. I went to California to do because their producers called me and I was in a position to say, well, what else am I going to do? Everything's closed down. Of course, I'll you know go do this show. So maybe doing that uh, this summer. Okay. I'll find out this Yee! month. The show that cannot be named. The show that yet. can't be named. Yes, yes. I, I signed a, I can't. An NDA, uh, yeah. Yes. So there's that on the horizon and just, you know, 
Seeing what happens, we'll make the best of it. Mm-hmm. I'm not scared. Going back to songwriting and, and songs that you choose, what does draw you to a song, especially if someone else writes it? I think you might be the first person that I've chatted with who does solicit tracks from someone else or does solicit lyrics from someone else. Most people, they'll talk about, they write from experience or yeah. having a good time or sorrow or whatever it is. So when you're reading someone else's words, I imagine it has to be really powerful to resonate with you if you didn't write it. Well, one of the things I enjoy about singing is it gives me an outlet to give voice to things that I wouldn't otherwise. You ask people that know me about me, they'd probably tell you stoic, quiet, right? Now, a few Tito's later, all bets are off. But typically, I keep my own counsel. It's just mm-hmm. how I am, I always be. But there are songs that communicate a message that resonates with me. And so if I'm performing it, it, it's meaningful to me in a certain way. And out of all the millions of songs that exist in the, you know, in the history of songs, many of them say that, right? We're all the same. We all have the same feelings and emotions. Some of them just resonate with me. Old Port Swing, for example, was written by a good friend of mine named Cole Capshaw. He's from Maryland. He was in Richmond for a while, which is how we crossed paths. And now he's writing songs in Nashville. That song meant something to him. It was ambiguous enough to where I latched right onto it. Like, hey, you wrote that about me. Um, well, I guess it would be just like us in the audience who aren't musicians when, or you know, fans of music. Right. We hear it and it touches us. Right. Yeah. I compare it to script writers and actors that deliver those things. You know, you pair right. those two. They're both needed. Yeah. Um, Very clear. Right, I like that. Right, right. There's not a whole lot of Taylor Swifts out there, right? It's a whole <laughs> thing. Right? Got it all. You know, uh, so... I have those thoughts, I have those feelings, I have those things that I would say if I knew how, and if even if I did know how, I probably won't. Uh, and so thus the staring at the line, you know, right. what's the message, and so, and collaborating. Once the idea is out there, I can mold it into my voice and how I would say that. And so most of the stuff that I've got a writer's credit on, it's co-write. It's fun. It is. It's fun. So what keeps you busy besides a newborn? <laughs> What other hobbies and interests do you have that keeps you inspired and engaged and gives you a music pause? Um, her, her siblings. Uh, <laughs> so we're we're a blended family. We're kind of okay. like the Brady Bunch. Nice. Uh, my oldest is 17. So he's looking at colleges. Coming up right behind him is about to get her license. And then another one is 12. And then she has a 12-year-old and a 6-year-old. Uh, so they run the gamut. We finally figured out how it keeps happening. And so I think this is the last one. Pizza and one. beer. Yeah, that's it. So this is the last one. But there's, <laughs> so you there's say. That. And I bought a pair of white uh, New Balance. Mm-hmm. That I cut grass in. Just kind of. You want to see them patina green? Yeah. Throughout? Okay. Because mm-hmm. it's the thing, right? Mm-hmm. So it's like, well, I'm Please gonna... tell me you wear white socks with them too. I wear no socks. Okay. Right? Ashy knees, the whole nine, right? So <laughs> my. <laughs> I, I don't know. It makes me feel good about going out and cutting the grass. with how I go put my new balance Do you on. keep them on the porch or do you bring them in? I bring them in. Okay. I bring them in. I hope my stepdad doesn't listen to this because I love him to death. I love him so much. When I, was, when I was a kid, on Sundays, he used to come home from church and he had these, you know, those sheer socks that, up, that goes above the knee with his dress shoes. He would take his slacks off from church and keep the socks on, put shorts on. And uh, when he'd go out on the porch, you know, he'd smoke at the time. He's quit a long time ago. Don't smoke, guys. He would come outside with those socks and those shoes and those shorts 
And my friends, you'd be like, hey, look at your dad. <laughs> like, that is hilarious. Well, he was so, protecting his calves and shins from the grass and from the bugs in the grass. Well, he was being who he is. <laughs> That's how I look at it now. Right? He's being who he is. So every opportunity I have to just be out there and be who I am and embarrass the kids, I'll do it. I was going to say, anything that it. makes the kids cringe? I'll take it, yes. Gold. Boom. Do you have any pre-show rituals? Is there anything you do to get yourself in a great mindset or superstitiously? I enjoy some quiet. Mm. Like I have to get in the mindset of this is what I'm about to go out and do and remind myself. Um, another thing that COVID has has been eye-opening for me is it got kind of monotonous doing these shows on the road. I, I was always into the town. Where, okay, we're in this new town or and meet and greets and all that stuff is cool. But going out and doing the set... It's like, all right, here we go again. I can't wait till this is over and we go do the meet and greet and get back on the bus and talk about the show. Well, that's been gone and I miss it a lot. Um, but typically my pre-show ritual is just focusing on the set list and and when to come in on songs, what we might have made minute changes to, uh, remembering the, the name of the town we're in at the night. <laughs> Thank you, Brooklyn, (laughs) when you're in Austin, yeah. (laughs) But I think going forward, my ritual will include taking a moment to appreciate that I'm getting to do what what it is that I love to do. Um, So that's that's going to be the new ritual going forward. What will you be performing for us on Shaco, and who will be with you? I travel with... There's five of us. Yes, four other musicians who are from around the Richmond area. Okay. Early on, I went to Nashville to record the record. Our management team insisted on using Nashville musicians who were to tour with, which is that's how it's done. That's how it's. They're like uh, they're professionals. They're different from the guy you find on Craigslist. Okay. It's, it's all they do, right? <laughs> right. Like, true. I mean, true. you know. If they're not on the road with some touring act, they're in the studio with a touring act that's not home. And they're amazing. So they come into the room, they tab out the song that you wrote and play for them on an acoustic, not very well. They go into the room, they hit the button, and this song comes out. And they're like, something like that? Like, yeah. Uh, yeah, just like that. But my guys are, are excellent musicians, and they're great people, and I enjoy their company. Right? They're not just there because they're being paid to be there. They would be there... Whether or not, right? Mm. Uh, uh, and it's just a reality. And, and it keep me grounded. I've gotten to transition from using those musicians to my guys. I'm very thankful for that. Yeah. So they'll be with me okay. in the Shaco sessions. Okay. Well, I cannot wait. I'll be tuning in. I won't be here live, but I will absolutely be tuning in yeah. and piping in with my comments. Where can people go for more information for you? I'm very active on socials, particularly Facebook. Find my fan page at Tony Jackson. I'm on Instagram also, uh, but TonyJacksonMusic.com is a website. There's a merch store there. Uh, there are tour dates, and then they're linked to all the socials. So if you're looking for me, you can find me. And we will find you here on Shaco Sessions yeah. Live in just a couple of weeks. I cannot wait. Thank you so much. Hey, thanks for having me. This has been fun. Absolutely. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you so much for listening. Be sure to like us, follow us, and subscribe to us on all the usual suspects. And also be sure to tune in every Tuesday night at 7.30 p.m. to Shaco Sessions Live on YouTube, Facebook, and Twitch. That's a wrap.